is up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode six of Tennessee Two's Disc Golf Podcast. Very glad to have you. Um, my name is Ethan Jenkins, and I'm joined here by my co-host Daniel Bacon. Go ahead and take it away. Hello, everybody. How's it going today on this very cold day? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little warmer today than the last couple of days, but uh, been snowy, man. It's it's been snowy. It has been. Um, I'll just run you guys through a couple of things we're gonna go through today, and uh, maybe we'll get through some other topics, and maybe we won't, but uh, we'll see. Um, for stars, we are going to go over um the PDGA majors. As we went over the pro tour last week, we're gonna touch some of the majors this week, including both the FPO and the MPO side. We won't do too much touching on the amateur um and college side though. Um, and then after we touch on that, we're going to touch on a tournament that both of us are going to be playing this weekend. Um, and along with that, we're going to give you guys our current in the bags. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how our bags play out. My bag is actually going to be set up not only for this week, but for a tournament next week as well. Um, and Ethan might have a couple of those coming up as, uh, as right. well. I've, yeah, I've got um, a double header this weekend. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how that might change. Um, maybe about halfway through the year we'll do another in the bag and see right. how much our bags have changed if any yeah. um i think that'll be that'll be interesting uh to see um and then after that we're going to go through a little bit of disc golf news there's not a whole lot going on but there's right. been a little bit of twitter drama and uh some new announcements in terms of some players in the bags um and some new tour series discs right. so uh yeah It'll be exciting, but yeah, we're both very excited for for our tournament this weekend, and we're pretty excited to touch on that with you guys. Um, But for starters, let's go ahead and touch on the majors this year. Um, First and foremost, April 14th through the 17th, we're going to have our first ever look at the Champions Cup. Champions Cup is going to be played um, down in Georgia at... uh, I'm totally drawing a blank right yep, now. You drew a blank. Um, Jackson. Yeah. WR Jackson. Yeah. Um, I, for one, am super excited. It's a new major that we get to add to the tour. I don't think there's any any way that you can go wrong with adding new majors. I'm sure there's going to be some hiccups this year, but it's yeah. a beautiful course. It's the inaugural. Really excited. You know, it, it's exactly. It, you know, <clears throat> I I don't see it as a bad thing. Some people do. Uh, I do not, uh, but I'm excited for it as well. I mean, more disc golf. You can't go wrong with more disc golf. Uh, John yeah. says, uh, you ready for that, bro? He said, I ain't throwing a shot until Saturday morning. Yep, he's going to be <clears throat> he's gonna be ready with the putter, I see. Putting those lunas to work. Hey, hey, man. Uh, are you Look, playing, I... uh, what, what division are you playing, John? Yeah, how's it going? Um, yeah, how's it going, chat? Feel free to keep interacting with us. Yeah. Send us your thoughts. If you guys have any questions, let us know while we keep kind of going through this stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, super excited for the Champions Cup. Again, I, you know, and we're going to touch on this a little bit here in a few minutes, but I was a little disappointed when they decided to go with the Rover format for the Champions Cup. I was really hoping it would be more Just like stay there. USDGC and find a site that works really good for it and kind of continue to push that. So um but we'll we'll go into that here after we finish this before we talk about yeah. our tournament. Um, and then 
let's see, the next major actually isn't going to be for quite a while. That's going to go all the way down to, uh, let's see, that'll be the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship. Right. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be June 30th through July 3rd. That's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin this year. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at the courses they're going to be using this year, but uh, let's see. Doesn't look like they have a hot link for it right now. Um, It'll be interesting. I kind of don't... I really wish that they would bring the um, USWDGC and combine it with the USDGC and hold them together at the same time. I think it's a little funky that they don't hold them at the same time, and I think it kind of it blocks up the schedule for the FPO side in terms of the pro tour. Yeah. Um, to be completely honest. So I really wish that they would do that. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure it's really fun. Last year they played three of my favorite courses in California. I got to be completely honest. I played all of them. They're beautiful courses and they're courses that we normally wouldn't see, especially on the MPO side. Right. So it's cool to get some of those courses that aren't considered MPO championship level courses highlighted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I think that there should be a certain level of prestige for a course based when you talk about a major. Right. Do you think there's going to be some really low scores going on at those courses since they're not necessarily like pro level courses? Um, you know, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, when I, here, let's, let's, we'll pull up the WDGC courses from last year. WDGC. And let's What's see up, ben? How are what you? we kind of came up with. So, um, hello, Sophie. The first first place that they played was called Auburn Regional Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super crazy difficult, but it does have a ton of really really thick manzanita. If you get in that manzanita at all. You are going to be scrambling real no hard idea. for the whole round. I have no idea what that even is. <laughs> yeah, manzanita is just kind of like it's halfway between a bush and a tree. Oh, okay. But it, it's um, a lot of people will trim manzanita almost like you would think of uh, trimming like a hedge bush. You know, okay, yeah. you can make crazy shapes, but the manzanita out there is super thick, very big. It needs to be trimmed consistently. And if you lose a disc in there, there's no way to throw out of it. You're basically just trying to the get it out. five feet out and then make your next throw. Yeah. It's very dangerous. Um, Paige Pierce posted a six under at that course, which is very admirable. All right. um, it's a par, 50, par 56, 6,000 feet. Um, given what I remember when I played that last, and I, I can't really remember if that has multiple teaser baskets, um, but from the layout that I remember, that's a good score. And not a great score, but a good score. Right. Um, round two, they played Shady Oaks Park. Um, and Shady Oaks Park is really kind of a very long and, like, turning course. Um, the distance doesn't really tell you that it's a long course. It's par 55, uh, 5,900 feet, but it, it's really long in terms of air shots um so most of these girls that played really well at this course were the girls with the power you saw Paige, haley ella right um they kind of drive kona 
yeah, they all had very, very good scores out there because they're longer air shots. Yeah. Um, so they did really well. And then the last course was the Rockland Discourse, Disc Golf Course at Johnson Spring Park. And I've actually only played this one once and I cannot remember it for the life of me. Um, except that it's very open. It's very park-like. Um, so like pedestrian park-like. So right. you, you get a lot of longer, deeper shots. Again, big bombers tend to have a to lot better well. chance. Yeah. Exactly. So it's no no question in my mind that that really played into the top three there being Paige, Haley, and Ella. Um, but, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the average for, for Paige Pierce, she shot a 22 down for the whole weekend. And that average rating was still only 976. So that tells you... Right, that the course did They're, they're yeah. low level still. Yeah. And I'd really like to kind of see... Um, I'd like to see a little bit more out of it for right. me. Um, and I think that kind of plays into maybe combining them and, and letting both both divisions play their USDGC at uh, Winthrop. Right. Um, let's see. Check in with chat here real quick. Um, somebody chat's asking, what courses do you really want to play that are on the Pro Tour? Um, my two courses that I really want to play are... Um, Toboggan and um, the MVP Open Maple Hill. Those are my yeah. like, those are my courses. Um, Toboggan, I'm sure, would eat me alive because I don't have <laughs> the distance for a lot of the shots required there. I mean, hole one is instantly going to send me to a to a six or a seven, yeah, just by itself, because I know I'm throwing a high backhand turnover that's going to either flip into the woods on the right. Or it's going to stall OB to the left, and that's <laughs> that's going to be an instant six. So, yeah. Um, but those those are my my courses. Um, what about you? See, uh, is Fountain Hills uh, Green Mountain Championship with Fox Run? Is that what Fountain Hills is? Um, I know Fox mm, Run is part of Green Mountain. No, I don't think. I don't remember Fountain Hills. I can't. Re I I know that name, but I cannot remember for the life of me where it's at. Um, and then Ian says Idlewild. I would love to play Idlewild. That would I, I would love it. And it's not that far away from us. Um, yeah, Idlewild, and then probably Maple Hill. I, yeah. Oh, okay, Fountain Hills is yeah, in no, Arizona. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, no. Um. It's it's uh, Brewster and Fox Run. Brewster. That's at, right. At at Smuggler's Notch. Yeah. Those um, would be cool to play too. I'd like to play that whole northeastern swing. I yeah, think that would yeah, be well, sick. Really, I mean, mo most of that. Um, I'd like to play Idlewild. I've never played Idlewild, obviously. Um, being originally from the West Coast. Right. But I don't know. Maple Hill just like it's, holds I mean, a it's special the, place in my heart. It's the number for... one course, and for a reason, you know. Yeah. Now, will yeah. it keep it? You know, because what's the what's the course? The Yamza or uh, Yarva uh, is like always like they're always going back and forth. Yeah, I'd have to look at it, but I believe you're right. Um, yeah. 
And you know, I got to be honest, I totally kind of forgot about this one because it's not on the Pro Tour yet. So disclaimer, asterisk on this one, but yeah. Eagles Crossing. Mm. I want to play Eagles that Crossing. That would be cool. Well. I mean, it's a million dollar course. That, that's the yeah, first I mean, of it, its kind. It, so I, I, I'd imagine that there's no chance it doesn't make it onto the Pro Tour Eventually. in at least a Silver Series within the next two years. I, that is um, not even a hot take at all. I really believe no. that that will happen. Yeah, I really absolutely. do. Um, um, but yeah, so... Let's, let's uh, go ahead and preview, preview the Shelbyville Freeze a little bit. Uh, we've still got a couple more. Are you going to go through all the majors? Okay, I got you. All the majors, yeah. yeah, Any, yeah okay. Well, anything except for college and AMs. Right. Um... So what month is July, Worlds in? Worlds is in August this year. So they moved it back a couple months. A little bit. Yeah. Um, it was in June part last of, year. Part of that comes from hopefully adding the European Open back. Mm-hmm. This one has a big asterisk next to it. We're not sure that it's going to happen. Omicron is kind of putting a dent in the hopes that it's going to happen, but hopefully we can get it all under reins. Again, right. July 21st to the 24th, there's still a possibility um, if I had to pick one course nationally that I really wanted to play, it would be um, the Beast in Nokia, Finland. So yeah, that would be cool. Uh, and you know, Europeans, uh, in terms of disc golf, are a force to be reckoned with for a reason. And the mm-hmm. Beast is a perfect example of of a course that's the reason why. Um, so absolutely going to be a fantastic event. I really hope that it goes through this year. Really missed it the last couple of years, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it'll absolutely be good. Yeah. After that, then we're going to see Worlds. Um, Worlds is going to be August 30th through September 3rd, so it's really late this year. That's going to be in Emporia, Kansas. So we know what to expect at Emporia. Nothing new, nothing scary. Supposedly new layout, Um, though, so they don't see the same layout twice. Um, But did you see where the Pro Tour posted that there will not be a Pro Tour the same as a major in 2023. Yep. And yes. I and we'll brought that up. The, we'll talk about that before. as soon as we finish going over the majors because that right. is a huge topic. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the last thing before we go over our tournament here right, coming up right, this week. Right. Um, so yeah, Emporia, we know what to expect. Maybe a new layout so that they got some new shot shapes and stuff like that, but we know what to expect. There's going to be wind mm-hmm. and there's going to be big, big bombs out there mm-hmm. um so uh, my only my only qualm with emporia as being the world championships is that it favors big bombers so heavily mm-hmm. um that uh, it's going to be pretty hard for me to see anybody but like eagle paul ricky eagle um calvin and james really competing yeah. heavily at this event um obviously there'll there'll be a few others that are in that just a slight tier below like kj where he's got all the power, but it, sometimes he lacks a control on that power. Right. But, you know, it's going to be the top 10 big arms that are really going to compete there. I agree. It's the only downfall. Um, but other than that, it's going to be a great event. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, not much new to expect from USDGC besides some new T-pads, maybe a few different lines. Um, and then they're going to change the shape of the OBs on every hole like they do pretty much every year. Right. Um, which is fun. I, I like that they find a way to spice up that course every single season. Yep. And I think that's important, especially when you talk about a course that um, favors big arms played. like that, too. Yeah, and a course that's played 
every year for this major. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's super important. Um, it, it's very similar to like what you see in the biggest events of golf. You know, one of the most important things in a golf tournament is how they move the cup around on those greens. And the cup layouts that you see from last year, not going to be the same that you see the next year. Right. You know, you're going to have to attack every green a little bit different. The green speeds are going to be different every year. Um, conditions change a little bit faster on a golf course than disc golf. But keeping those courses that you hit every single year fresh, um, especially in the majors, because they're so coveted compared mm -hmm. to the Pro Tour, is super important for me. Yeah. Um, so with that, talking about that difference between um, visiting places twice and having solid set places, um, Go ahead and, and kind of go over what they talked about for 2023. Yeah, so the Pro Tour, um, they heard the people and they were like, and the players, and they were like, there's no sense in playing a Pro Tour the same year as a major at the same course. Even if you change the course, it's still the same course and it kind of takes away from that prestige on either event, you know? Right. And, uh, they decided that in 2023 that will no longer be happening. And that could also kind of hurt um, some of the, the venues, you know, because they're like, maybe right. they wanted to bid on, you know, uh, getting a major or worlds or whatever, and they don't want to lose their spot in the Pro Tour, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, I I like the move given where disc golf is at currently, but mm -hmm. I don't think it should be the final step. Yeah. Um, I, I think moving towards the concept of building disc golf parks for majors should not be overlooked because I know a lot of players are asking for that specifically. You know, with Champions Cup kind of coming to um, WR Jackson this year, there right. were people who were talking about why not expand that area and really get a good disc golf park in Georgia yep. and something that champ that could support champions cup year in and year out, um, give them some new looks, give them a couple of courses similar to like maybe what the smugs has, has kind of become, right. you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I, I think that when push comes to shove, I really hope it pushes in that direction because that's what it should be personally. Um, but you know, it's, it's really hard to kind of push that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. My biggest, my biggest downfall for, um, going through this Rover style and only doing that course once throughout, throughout the year is that it takes away from a lot of the sponsors that, um, put together these tournaments on the pro tour. Um, yes, it gives opportunity for new locations to make it onto the pro tour year in and year out. And that's really exciting. Um, but what about, you know, um, you know, any of these tournaments, if, if you go, um, for like, uh, D-Glow. Yeah. If, if they go, cause that's what is going to be, um, Turboggan for Worlds next year. That's or, what they said. No, it's, it's for uh, Champions. Champions Cup is Toboggan next year, right? Uh, Smuggler's it's Notch It's one of the is, two. Yeah, Smuggler's Notch is Worlds next year, and Toboggan and Cham is so Champions Cup. So, but that means that Discraft loses their biggest sponsored tournament next year. 
And although you see these sponsorships filter into the majors, mm -hmm. they're not primarily sponsored by any one company right. in these majors. So that's a huge hit for a company like Discraft to go out there and say, we don't have our biggest tournament next year. Yeah. You know, and that's disappointing for me. And that's why I think that there's there's got to be a line drawn eventually. However, there is a push in the right direction. And yeah. I do appreciate that. Yeah, they heard the outpour, you know, uh, and and they did something about it. They yeah. seem like they're always trying to put their front for front foot forward, you know, and keep keep on moving in the right direction. And I appreciate yeah. it. Um, yeah. So I, I would say, when when I look at it, they're making good decisions for how to fix things, especially when you talk about what's coming up next year. Yeah. But sometimes they lose the ability to have some foresight into how that affects people five years from now. Right. And I hope that that's where they kind of start moving in that, well, yeah. what helps us next year, but is still going to be the right thing five years from now as well. Yeah. And that's, give that's them the a couple years uh, of running things, and I think, I think you'll start seeing that more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on from that. Let's head over to our tournament coming up this week. Um, uh, and several people in the Middle Tennessee area um, are going to be hitting this tournament up, the Shelbyville Freeze, uh, this yeah. weekend. Uh, it is Gonna Saturday. Hosted at HV Griffin Park in yep. Shelbyville, Tennessee. Um, generally, it's from what I've seen at least, it's an 18 hole course that they're generally using, and they are expanding it to 20. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to the TD when we get out there and see if that's a permanent change or if that's just a temporary to add a couple extra holes. Right. I'd say it's so, probably just temporary. Yeah. Um, so got a couple of layouts. I know last year they did a very similar tournament, um, and that was to actually pay for the um, addition of the long baskets that will be used in round one mm -hmm. for this tournament this year so last year was a pure fundraiser and this year it's actually going to be a sanctioned event so we're going to have rated rounds yep um pretty excited about that i'm super excited i i can't wait um and then for me coming up the week after we'll talk we'll touch it on, on it a little more next week but i also have the knoxville ice bowl coming up which is also a charity fundraiser um, if you guys check in your areas um play your ice bowl your local ice bowl um, every ice bowl generally that I've seen always donates their profits to charity. Um, mm -hmm. most specifically their, um, they're generally like food banks or something along those lines. So it's a great event. Um, really fun. Generally the earliest, uh, big tournament of your local area's season. Um, but yeah. Guys, go out, check, see if you can find an ice bowl in your area that hasn't happened yet. I know I've seen a few states and a few areas have already done their ice bowls, but some of those should be really fun. Right. Um, we, we have a wonderful lineup in, in our ice bowl this this next coming week, including Chris Dickerson is going to be out there. <coughs> he's, yeah. he's pretty much used it as his preseason opener for about five years in a row now. Yeah, and so, that's awesome. You know. So, um, yeah. So, chat... We have John in chat, and he's uh, going to be playing this weekend as well. I believe MA3 um, as well as I'm pretty sure. Um, and he says he's never played there. He's going in blind. And <laughs> I, let me tell you, 
Alright, this is not a difficult course. I would say a thousand rated round would probably be like a 13 or 14 down there. Yeah, probably a 13 or 14 down. Um, that yeah, one. it's... It, so, it's a very, I don't know what the ratings... very attackable course. Yeah, I don't know what the ratings look like for the um, new layout, obviously. But uh, the old layout, if I remember correctly, 13 down was uh, a scratch. Yeah, so... But yeah. I'll, I'll look here real quick. All right. But yeah, I, it's it's a very attackable course. Uh, a lot of short holes, a lot of, you know, chip shots, as we would say. You know, just, like, you throw your favorite mid-range, overstable mid-range, or really understable mid-range, and yep. let it roll, you know. So your boss is going to be playing too. Very nice, very nice. I'm excited yes. for the tournament. I, I really am. SSE is almost exactly 13 down. Almost 13. Approx down. Approximate. And that's obviously there's some give and take. Um, you know, the longer layout's going to play a little bit more difficult in the yeah. woods. But there's also a couple of par fours that are probably going to be very gettable from what I've seen. There's two par fours on the back nine that are under 600 feet. Right. So, those should be gettable with a good line. Um, and then there is one, I, if I remember correctly, I thought I saw one that was going to be closer to eight or 900 feet, which could take a couple of pretty big throws to, yeah, I, to get out there. But I'm pretty sure that's hole 17. Um, hole 17 is a bomb. Um, yeah, it's a bomb. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, 17 is pushing 700 feet. Yeah. So um, for me, that's... That, is that one going to be fairly open? I haven't had a it's chance open. to play it. I get, it it's I get all open. There's like two trees in the way. And that's yeah, it. so for for me, it's going to be a, probably a couple of flip-up hyzers yep, to get out there. Yeah. And hopefully I can put myself within 30 <laughs> feet on the second one. Throw 1,000 feet. I'm good. Hey, <laughs> yeah. hey bro, you throw 1,000 feet, <clears throat> uh, you need a manager, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, can, I can handle this. If but, you throw a thousand uh, feet, John, you should really consider going out to the desert. <laughs> go yeah. out to Utah. You could probably beat Dave Wiggins' record. Yeah, there you go. Same. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do something a little bit kind of exciting. A lot of times we do some stuff where we talk about building a bag with some certain companies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This week we're actually going to show you what's actually in our bags. <laughs> in our bag. He said takes takes four throws. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at, buddy. That's where I'm at. Hey, it depends on depends on the day. I could get there in three if it's open. If it's wooded, it's taken four. <laughs> um, I feel you. But yeah, we're going to show you guys what's in our bag for this upcoming tournament. For me, um, you can assume that what's in my bag is going to be what I play with on my next tournament as well, which we'll talk about next week. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I'm going to let you go first. Um, we'll okay. Go um, low speed to high speed. Start with your putters and work your way up. Speed. So for me, I put with um axiom proxies these proxies here oh yep oh, lighting light lighting <laughs> lighting there we go proxies um i have this one which is more overstable uh this one is neutral and this one is understable a little bit understable it's for my anheuser putts um and I, I love the proxies. They're beadless. Um, they are over-molded, but I do uh, I enjoy them a lot. I really like the proxies. Um, 
And then I have one of the new Ricky Hearts. Um, this thing is a workhorse for upshots. Mm -hmm. um, then I have my Castaplast Pax K1 plastic. Um, actually, it's K2 plastic. I'm sorry. I, I really thought it was K1. But yeah, it's K2 plastic. Um, JK Epigars all the way. No! Not for me. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I don't carry a lot of mid-ranges. I use the Castaplast Cax and the Harp, um, and both of those are pretty overstable. But uh, if I need something to flip up, I use my Flippy Putter. Um, yep. And then I go into the fairway drivers. So I will... Show you a couple that I've added to the bag just this week um, from Discmania. Um, I've got an Evolution Instinct. This thing is 100% making my bag. Um, it's 7502, and it is nice. literally a gap finder. I can make it through anything. This thing is so straight, and it's just got a little baby hookup. No skip, really. It just settles. It's so nice. Um, so if you're out there looking for something that's just going to go really straight, go get you an Instinct. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good, a good uh, non-Innova option for people who may have used to like the T-Bird and are moving away from Innova like us. Yeah. Um, I've still got a couple of the Innova. Um, I have way too much Innova in my bag, but it's not getting thrown as often. <laughs> right. I see. Okay, so let's see here. On my fairways, I actually keep them pretty understable. Um, I've got this Discraft XL. Um, it is the most understable one that I have, um, other than my F2, which I'm not entirely sure where it is. Oh, here it is. F2. Uh, nice. It's it's not originally supposed to be understable, but it, this thing is beat in. <laughs> Very beat. Um, yep, yep. Then I have this new Essence. Um, it is an 8.6, negative 2, 1, and it's pretty domey. A little, little pop top. A little pop top, you know. Um, I haven't got to throw it a whole lot yet. Hopefully I get to throw it more this week to see if it's going to the, make the bag or not. And then uh, T-Bird 3 as my overstable fairway. Or kind of a just a stable to overstable fairway. Then a Firebird. Um, not a Sexton Firebird. I got all the Sexton Firebirds on the wall. <laughs> uh, it's just a stock run Firebird. Um... And then I have Passion. Uh, Passion is just really straight. It likes to fly straight. Um, so I, I like my fairway drivers a lot. And I like my distance drivers. I'm trying to narrow down some of these distance drivers. But, you know, we're a work in progress. So, here's that. I'm... Currently bagging uh, eight. 
distance drivers. I do not need that many distance drivers, but been working them out, trying to see what's good, what's not. Um, start from most understable uh, would be my Falcon, my Millennium Falcon. This is my roller disc and my Super Hyzer flip disc. Um, great deal. And then, which you would think this would be more flippy, but it's not, and it's a Champion Mamba. Um, it's very flippy, but it's a crushed forehand disc for me for my Heiser flip-ups. Um, then I have a Streamline Trace. Ooh. And this thing is wicked in the woods. It is so good. It just, it, I can throw it a little Heiser, flips up, rides a little to the right, or I can throw it straight, and it still just rides a little to the right and comes out. And it's like, it just gets up to flat, or it'll stay yep. on flat. And that's, I really like that. I'm a huge fan of that disc. And this is a new baby that I have added to the lineup. And this thing is sick. This thing is awesome. It's an Axiom Tenacity. And yeah, it's, I've heard some things. It's max distance for me. Like, I, I, I love this disc. <laughs> so it's going to become a workhorse for sure. Um, and then the next one would be the crank. I have a Z crank, which is just straight, rides a little to the left. Beautiful. Yep. Comes out. Um, then the Onyx, which everybody knows an Onyx. Um, and a Force. Upside down. Yeah, a Force. <laughs> Don't uh, worry, half of my stamps aren't even visible anymore. Then I have the <laughs> the uh, Sharon Gun Ballista Pro and a Thunderbird. All right, technically a fairway, but it got pulled out of the bag last time. Maybe it's yeah, and it's, it's that it's that one that sits on the edge of the bag. And you only pull it out for specific shots. Yeah, I have because it's hard to get out of the bag. I have a couple in the top of the bag that not sure if they're gonna make it. Um, I've been working the destroyer out, uh, trying to get it out of the bag, and then the thrasher. Not sure if it's going to make it. No, but yeah, uh, that's well, my bag. Yep. Uh, yeah, I completely you forgot understand. One. What did I forget? Oh, you're right. I did forget it. Uh, this thing, my Ezra Nuke, this thing is a workhorse for me right now. So between the tenacity and the nuke, really, I, that's that's my distance drivers, and I could really like play a whole round yep. with just those. I think. All right. But yeah, that's my bag. Big boy, yeah, nuke, pretty, I got you. Yep. Pretty comfortable with the lines you're going to be able to hit with that in in Shelbyville. Oh yeah, um, the harp, the T bird three, and the cats. And that tenacity is pretty much all I'll throw out there. Yep. It's yep. there is some long hookups, there's some straight shots, and then there's a lot of short hookups. Um, there you go. Yep. All right. That's it. Well. Yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll get started with me. Um, yep. We'll start with my putting putters. Um, and these are always the most subject to change, but <laughs> my putting putters are going to be a Luna, um, 
this is going to be the blend plastic, so the actual um, Macbeth designed blend. Um, people have been pretty popular on the actual Jawbreakers that have been coming out this last year in some like special edition runs. Yeah. But this one's just a little more um, tacky and soft. Yeah. Um, this one for me is pretty well beat in. Um, and, you know, it's. It's working its way out of my bag, and I'll kind of explain why in a little bit. Um, and then my other putting putter right now is the P2. This is the newer one, not the old mold, so it's a little bit different. Um, this one is generally what I'm going to use when I have to straddle putt, get something between the legs, get it up high, and let it nose down to back towards the basket specifically. Um, right. It's got a little bit more glide. And when it gets up to flat, it's going to hold the flat a little bit longer than the Luna will. However, the Luna holds my hyzer putt quite a bit better overall. Right. Um, the Luna has a better tendency <laughs> to, when it comes out of my hand, especially from longer dis distances, it kind of rides instead of fading out really early like the P2 will. Right. However, I believe that after next weekend... Um, as I start preparing for our doubles tournament, I might be making the switch to the fee. Okay. Um, not That's sure, I, but I think I, I'm, I think I'm going to grab a couple of them and get putting with them. Um, I've been working on my, my putting a little bit, um, and the fee's going to fit a little bit more in my hand, a little bit like the Luna will. Um, mm -hmm. and hopefully it'll, I, I, as I've started to change my putt and I'm starting to get really comfortable with my stroke, mm -hmm. I'm finding that these do not fit my stroke as well as I wanted them to. The right. Luna really fit my deep hyzer putt um, that I'm starting to try to work out of um, and get a, a moderate hyzer. Um, right. But the Luna still definitely outdoes the P2 for me there. Yeah, you know, um, it's choice of champions. <laughs> choice of champions choice of champions um, but I'm not sure it's very possible that I'll end up hating the fee and going right back to Luna maybe grabbing a couple of fresh Lunas because that one's pretty beat in I've It'll been seeing fit, a lot of rubber blend Lunas out there yeah. um, so start getting into my throwing putters um, I have an R-Pro Pig this one's really old and beat in but it is still trusty and overstable um, this one in particular I used to putt with it a lot when I wasn't that great of a putter because the plastic was soft and very grabby and mm -hmm. it really hung on to chains. I didn't get a lot of spit outs with it, um, but it has kind of switched to a throwing putter for me specifically because of the lack of glide. So if I'm just beyond what I call jump putt range for me personally, I start throwing this because it's a one glide and it's sticky, very soft and sticky. Um, and I know that I can just kind of soft backhand one up there and it'll just finish right towards the basket and it'll grab the ground and stick. Right. Um, it is also something that I will straddle putt with if I have a really dangerous backdrop, whether that's a water backdrop, which we have on a couple of courses mm -hmm. um, out here. And then if I have a really bad steep hill, because again, that one glide's going to send it straight into the ground and the hope is that it's going to grab. The right. only danger in it is because it drops so fast. If I hit a root, Every now and again, it'll pop up on its edge. Right. Um, other than that, but the newest addition to my bag in the putters is this Tour Series Luna. Okay. Which um, 
I've really needed a good flip up backhand putter. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to find it. I have another putter in my bag, which I'll go over next. Um, but I find that when I try to throw that one hard, it's a little too tacky. And I end up grip locking it fairly often, even with a fan grip. So Luna, good flip up for me. Um, depending on the angle that I get it out, I can get it to ride right and just finish to the left slightly. Um, it will hyzer for me. It'll hold a hyzer if I give it to it. Um, and it'll actually dive right if I give it an anhyzer. So it's moderately stable. It's a line holder for my arm speed, which is above average technically. Um, but for like slower arm speeds, it's definitely going to be more understable. Or well, overstable, excuse me. Um, and then I have for my other putter here is going to be an Envy. And this is going to be in the Electrotron Firm Plastic. It is the overmold. Um, technically, it doesn't really have a bead, although I think I would consider it a micro bead because of the overmold, it feels right. like. Um, yeah, Jesse, I like that stamp too. Um, <laughs> but like I said, so for me, with putters, when I throw them, I have to fan grip them because the rims are too deep and I automatically grip lock with a, a power grip or even a modified power grip. So I've started fan gripping them, and I find that it's so tacky on the bottom. I mean, you can even hear it, like yeah. how tacky it is. And even if I lo- I loosen my grip, and then I end up early releasing, or um, I grip lock because it's too sticky. So what I've actually started using this for, and it's a beautiful disc for it, is high arcing backhand anhyzers. Mm-hmm. Um, for you guys who don't know, I don't throw forehands. I'm actively always working on it, but it's something I've been trying to do for a lot of years, and I just can't really get proper because of some old wrist surgeries that I've had that make um, range of motion very difficult and cause me to roll my wrist. Um, so I'm always trying to find a new form that'll help. Maybe I can get a forehand working by next year that I'm comfortable with, but for now, I really got to trust backhand shots um, mm-hmm. when I can. Um, so backhand anhyzers they really like to get up there and then kind of slowly pan and flatten out um never really comes back from it though i feel like we've seen that shot from an envy before yeah it's almost like that's happened before um (laughs) on the big stage yeah uh this disc comes in in and out of my bag it will not be in my bag this week but it will be in my bag next week um and this is a rock three super beta in rock three yeah it's not a rock and this 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 uh <coughs> this has one purpose in life and this is to hyzer flip and hard turn to the right and it never fights out um at, at my arm speed at least it never fights out um unless i've got like a screaming tailwind it might flatten up and give me a little bit of fade but this has one shot for it specifically and it won't even be in my round or in my bag both rounds next week. It'll literally only be in one round for one particular shot. Um, and then I have another one. This is, I'm going to skip over towards a distance driver because this is not usually in my bag either. Um, this is a G-Star turn. And G-Star. this has one shot. And that is a high backhand turnover. Um, I can kind of hyzer flip it up high. 
let it turn right, kind of what you see some of the real big stars do when they try to go over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole goal is just to get a, a good, hard, high right-hand turn out of it and then finish either forward or come back a little bit left if I hit it right. So again, it's a, sh- it's a disc that's literally in there for one hole, one very specific hole. Um, get into my actual throwing mid-ranges. We'll start with a rock. Um, I use this for two things. Um, it's It doesn't throw like a traditional rock. It's not very overstable. It's actually very flat. Um, and it just goes straight, 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 no matter how hard I throw it. I dare not ever throw this in a headwind. I would throw the pig over this if I have to, just right. because of, of that. But it's slower than all of my other mid-ranges, so I can take some speed off of it and I can get it to kind of just sit on the ground and slide up as opposed to skipping. Or the other thing that I will use it for because of that beaded rim, it actually gives it a really good hyzer skip. So if I need something that I'm just going to throw straight into the ground and get it to flare skip around a tree, hopefully land up near a basket. So that, that's kind of like a, it's a scramble disc for me. Right. It's used for very specific shots. Um my next three mid-ranges are all going to be very similar to each other. They're all actually pretty much the same stabilities out of the box, um, but they're all beat in a little bit different um, and have some very characteristic flight paths. Um, I have a Colorado Stamp Discmania MD3. This is one of the really old ones, um, not one of the newer ones. So this one actually has a flight number path of um, 5501. However, it's beaten pretty well, so it's actually more of a 5-5-1-0 five, five, if I juice it, right. and then 5-5-0-0 five, five, zero, zero if I get it up soft. It's just going to kind of hit flat and just maybe give it a little soft finish to the left. Um, but if I hit it hard like I try to, um, this is my turnover. So if I have a backhand line where I need to flip it up to flat and just let it ride right all the way to the ground, that's going to be this disc for me. And then I have a Claymore, and this is a Frostline Claymore. They don't make this anymore, but the Frostline was the way to go. So much better than the Opto, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And this one does kind of the same thing, but it has a little bit more of a trusted fade at the end. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit more of a shot shape for me. It's going to get me up. Um, the, the times that I generally use this one in particular is when I have a backdrop that I don't want to test. Mm-hmm. So it's the same shot shape as the uh, the MD3. However, it's going to give me that fade off to the left um, if I hit it at that same speed, arm speed, right. and angle. And so it's going to fade off to the left for me. It's going to keep me from getting in too much trouble by just skipping up past the basket and going down the hill, which I have at least four holes like that um, in next week's tournament. And I'm sure I'm going to have one or two in this week's tournament where I'm going to want a little bit of fade there um, just to keep myself out of trouble so that I don't have to scramble back or hit a 60-foot uphill putt. Right. Um, And then I have a brand-new ESP Buzz, um, and this one, when it is finally beaten in, it will actually have a very similar flight path to those because as my Claymore starts to get more beat in, it's going to start losing that trusty fade. And the buzz um, and is going to kind of take into the, yeah. The buzz is going to come in and kind of take that spot because this is this flies essentially how the claymore flew when it was brand new as well. Um, I can flip it up and turn it right. It actually turns right a little bit harder than the claymore does if I hit it real hard. 
um, but it's a little bit easier to control the angle out of the buzz because I can give it a steeper hyzer and trust that it'll come up to flat. Um, but this one has a little bit of a deeper fade than the um, Claymore does now and a lot more fade than the MD3. So this is my <coughs> new one that I'm starting to beat in. And as the Claymore beats in all the way, that'll replace the MD. And then I will get another one that's brand new. And that'll shift the buzz into the Claymore spot. Right. So that's my um, mid-ranges, technically. We'll start speeding it up a little bit here. Um, I cover the mid-ranges and the putters because for my arm speed, I can hit any one of those for 300 feet um, as long as I don't have a steep headwind. So I will be predominantly using mid-ranges at Shelbyville, um, and I will be predominantly using mid-ranges on one of the courses next week as well, um, all wooded. But getting into my fairway drivers, first I have a river. This is an Opto river. This one's super beat in. Um, I think that's, and a I wouldn't gold, even, that's a gold line. Is sure. It might be a gold line. Yeah, I think it's a gold line. Yeah, you're right. It is a gold line. Um, it's pretty beat in in terms of the flight path. You wouldn't know that it was beat in by looking at it, but it flies very understable. Mm -hmm. um, for me, if I hit this hard, it's a 45-degree hyzer angle to get it to flip up to flat and ride to the right, um, and even steeper than that to get it to flat and hold. So this is kind of a get-out-of-jail card for certain shots, um, but the 7 glide is why I keep it in the bag, because I can take a little bit off, control the hyzer and the angle, and just let that 7 glide take it as far on low ceilings as I can. Mm -hmm. um, which, I don't know Shelbyville well enough to know if low ceilings are a huge problem. It is. But I have, we have uh, a couple of courses on our side where I have to try to hit three, three, three fifty feet. I would say with 11, a low ceiling. Eleven out of the eighteen holes has got pretty low ceilings. But most of them I can still get with a yeah. mid range, right? Yeah. But so this one's this one's where I kind of keep that glide for the low ceiling when I have to get past three hundred feet. Yeah. You know, so that's in there. Um, the next thing I have in there is a couple of star T birds. Um. This one's really cool. Hopefully it'll come up on the camera for you. <laughs> the the Pig Lebowski. The Pig Lebowski. Um, I literally originally kept this disc just because my last name is, is Bacon. And yeah. why not? Yeah. Um, and so basically all it is is this is my understable one. This is my overstable one. Good fairway driver. Both of them are going to fade at the end for me. Um, but this T-Bird does not handle the headwind. So this one right that's it after that i have um a millennium orion this one's a really new addition that's a disc i found and have not been able to return to the owner um so unfortunately it has become victim to my bag <laughs> and <laughs> nothing crazy it's a nine speed with a trusty fade um it'll flip up if I hit it in a headwind, um, but I, I really use it for something I need to push straight for about 300 feet and then let it die to the left stall right. and, and die. Um, so it just gives me a, a little bit of extra push over the T-birds, but it's really a T-bird shape, similar. Um, next I have 
uh, Valkyrie. I have two of them. Um, this one's going to be a champion. This one's going to be the one I use more often. This one's a star. This one has a pop top. Not not a nope. big one, but, um, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't really pop so much anymore. It's gotten soft as I've started to use it more. Um, but this one is more understable. Um, this one I'm kind of using to push flat and get it turned to the right before it fades. Right. Um, so it's a very specific shot shape. Cannot throw this one in a headwind at all. And then this one will hit pretty much the same shapes, um, but I have to give it a little more angle. But this one will fight out in a headwind for me. Even if I turn it over a little too much, it's going to have a little bit more fade at the end. Um, that being said, I now, you, this used to be my main fairway slash low distance driver. And that has been thoroughly replaced by this. This craft undertaker. A little bit less um, understable, but the same amount of fade, mm -hmm. which I still don't really find to be true, actually. This is my dead straight disc. If I need a driver, regardless of the distance, to go dead straight, I'm using the Undertaker. Um, it fights a headwind much better than the Valkyrie does, um, and it comes out of my hand better. Right. So um, very soon, you will see me add probably an ESP Undertaker, and that's going to replace the Star Valkyrie, um, and then I'll probably get a brand new Z um, and start working that in as this one starts to get too understable. After that, you come into some of my more distance drivers. Um, I have a big Z Onyx, a little bit more understable than um, the ESP Onyx that you have. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit, not a lot. I use this one for big power hyzers. Um, depending on how much power I give it and where I'm trying to get, it'll either hold the hyzer and spike, or it'll actually flip up to flat and ride for a little bit before it comes down. I can power hyzer this baby 350 if I get it a really good shot out. And then my new primary distance driver is the Zeus and ESP Zeus. Um, very nice, very nice been looking to basically add a destroyer to my bag as I started to move as I'm starting to move away from Innova um I wanted something that flips up a little bit but is not going to fully turn on me and and fail me So Zeus this is my flip up to flat distance driver um depending on the day I've found that I can actually take this to a low ceiling um and skip it up 350 feet as long mm -hmm. as i hit it at the right angle because it's so it's such a wide rim um but i also really like it on downhill shots because downhill you tend to lose your more understable discs a little bit more right. you flip it over too hard and it carries to the right because downhill is going to carry those um and kind of drag it in suck in your understable discs so this is my my big bomber and then this will be my headwind bomber as well because I can trust it not to flip over. Now, if I'm going absolute max distance and the wind is in my favor, I will actually be using this Shrike. This is a special edition Shrike. Can't get this stamp anywhere. Um, this disc is actually like really hard to find now. Most Shrikes have a pop top, and this one's a flat top. Um, or mostly a flat top. Right. When you talk about Shrikes, it's, it's a flat top. 
And this one's more understable than the Zeus. And if I hit it right, this is kind of what I like to use when I'm going uphill. Because um, right. I can send this one uphill about 400 feet if I hit it good. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this one I tend to lose going downhill unless I really put it on a hyzer and let it hit flat. After that, I have two more drivers in my bag. These are very niche dic- discs. This is a Axiom Fireball. Um, this like is... Like Firebird, right? Yeah. It's, it's, this has one purpose in my bag, and that is a 260-foot Spike Kaiser. <laughs> that is literally all it's for. Yep. Um, and I have it in there because around here we have three or four courses that have one hole. That's a 260-foot Spike Kaiser. One of them is a, carry, a water carry that has a big fountain on it um, where most of the best players will probably throw a backhand turnover putter. Right. Um, but I've found that while I can make that shot, it's not that difficult to do. Every now and again, you're going to get some really awful wind bounces from the fountain. Um, so that was when I first started throwing this. And once I figured out that I could start throwing this, I mean, it's, I, I kid you not, it's 260 feet on the dot every time, no matter how I hit it. <laughs> There's, it's impossible to turn over. Literally impossible. And then... Um, I have a Blizzard Boss, and this one is a water disc. That's it. uh, If I have a deep water carry, um, I use it because a lot of times you need to hit an angle as well as hitting a certain speed, and the boss, the Blizzard, is so light that I can actually take a little speed off and still get the same hit in terms of disc speed. So when it releases out of my hand, it comes out as fast as a 175, but I didn't throw it as hard. Right. Um, the Blizzard boss is also a smidge more understable than the traditional boss. And uh, that that's it. Very nice. Yeah, you went into bad. way more detail <laughs> than Ouch. I did. <clears throat> Which is probably a good thing that I didn't because I have way more uh, in the bag you than, than you do right now. But uh, yeah. I, I'm just trying a lot of different discs right now. We shall well, see. and I don't... I don't have the luxury like you do of needing to pick discs for forehands and backhands. That is so true. So for, for me, I really have to be very specific about the lines that I can hit, mm-hmm. um, especially being an only backhand player yeah. um, because I have a very good Tomahawk and a very good uh, Thummer. I can get those out just fine because the angle doesn't disrupt my wrist too, bu- too bad. But... I mean, those are very get-out-of-jail-free cards. Right. Um, when I lived in Nevada, I could push those as far as any backhand because the air resistance out there is so much thinner Right. Um, that I could get the carry out of them. But out here, if I get a thumber out to 300 feet, I've I put in some work on yeah. that throw. You know? So I've stopped throwing them um, so much. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I have very specific lines I gotta hit. Um, and... There's a very specific set of discs that yeah. do that. So yeah. You're I, right. I'm, You're right. I'm I'm missing one spot in my bag, which we talked about last week. Um, we're thinking when we talked about it, I'm I'm trying to find a disc. If you guys have any recommendations for a backhand, I'm looking for a, approximately a nine speed that I'm gonna flip up to flat and get it to ride to the right with minimal fade. Right. Um, and I think we came out to probably a passion. 
yeah. is going to fit that really well after That's it gets beat in. That's what the passion does for me um, on a backhand, but forehand, this disc is just not good. I love this disc, but it is it's like, just... it's, it's, I don't know what it is about the difference in my throw from backhand to forehand, other than like the snap, the torque, you know? Um, rotation. But uh, the passion get... just cannot hold up to the forehand the same way. If I throw it on hyzer forehand, it's fine. But um, I really like so... to throw my forehands flat and let the disc do the work, you know? And Yeah, so, so with your forehand, you get a lot more forward momentum mm-hmm. with about half of the rotation rate on your forehand. It's much harder to get the disc to spin as fast on a forehand right as as you do with a backhand and i'd imagine that's probably what's tripping it up maybe it might be but i do love the disc but it's uh just a backhand backhand slow turn right and come out disc it's it's kind of a just an like an average disc what you would think it would do (laughs) yep it's but uh everybody needs those kind of discs yeah. We need to sell some discs. We should do that. We should do that. Uh, like so I need to sell. What are your expectations? Um so two rounds, right? Um my goal is to shoot um I'm gonna say eight under for the tournament. That's that's my goal. Is eight under for the tournament. Um, if I could reach a rating of 900, um, on the course, I will feel very happy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm an 849 rated player. Um, part of that is because of the course that I did play was, you know, pretty, pretty easy, um, where I got my rating, but, uh, this one's going to be, yeah, this one's going to be the same way. Uh, so I hope to score a little bit better than I did at the last tournament. I'm going to be a little bit more prepared. Um, I know my discs a little better. Um, hopefully, uh, I, if I could do four under a round, I would be very happy. I know in shorts, um, when I went out there for my practice round, uh, I shot six down. But I was kind of on one. My putting was really good that day. And right. I just I just want to average four down around and hope that my putting really saves me because a lot of the short short par threes are very ellish where it's like you gotta get their distance right and then hook. Right. You know. So if you don't hook, you're looking at a forty footer, you know? And right. it's like if your putting's on, you're gonna have a great scoring day. If you've got your drives right, where your distance is, um, I'll be using the harp and the firebird probably a lot. Um, but if you can get those skips over to the basket, um, for me, a forehand, for you, a turnover, you know, and glide over. Right. Um, I, I think, uh, I think it could happen to where um, we have a lot of in circle looks. So yeah. If if that's the possibility. That we're looking at, I I hope to score well. But what about you? What's your goal? Um, 
you know, look looking at this this course, it's it's exceedingly scorable. Yes. Um, now you've seen it more than I. Um, on eighty percent of the holes, it's marked as um, on or beyond the asphalt walking trail is OB. Um, how yeah. close are those? Are those really in there's play, only, or are they there's very two, bad? There's two holes that that it's in play. Um, okay. Uh, the way that I I throw over the road once um, with a Thunderbird and let it hook back into the basket. So that's the only time that I flirt with it. But you as a backhand, you would have to have a nasty skip to get to the road. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, so, you know, going in blind, obviously I'm, I'm going to get a good one round in just to see the lines. Um, I'm usually pretty good at, at creating lines the first day. Mm-hmm. and correcting those lines on a second day. So I should see enough to at least not score poorly. Yeah. So then my goal, if the OBs are not really in play, um, my main goal is to go bogey three. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to care too much about scoring because mm-hmm. from what I can see, I'm going to score. Right. Um, so as long as I score and I avoid the bogeys, I will be happy. Yeah. Whether that comes in at a, as a two down or a six down, um, you know, I've had as long as you're bogey free, some, you'll be happy. Yeah, I've had some really good rounds the last couple of weeks prepping for our um, my tournament next week. One mm-hmm. of the courses really fits up well to preparing me for Shelby Build, just because some some interesting lines, very wooded, a lot of right hand backhand turnovers. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say if I can go bogey free and score myself four or five birdies on each round, I would be very happy yeah so i would say yeah i'd put myself probably in the eight to ten down range for the tournament yeah where i'd want to be that's yeah Um, that's about what i think is i think it'll do well there um in ma3 i at least i hope but uh yeah ma3 always has one or two people who kind of don't fit in their division but yeah but i'm not there I'm not there to win anyways. I'm there to prove to myself that I can compete. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. So that wraps up our Shelby Bill Freeze um, tournament preview. Um, We've went over the majors. Uh, I would like to hit um, that this is just going to be quick, um, but Haley King has come out with her signature disc. Um, it is the Mako 3, which is what Kona's signature disc was last year. Um, I guess it's only appropriate. I kind of feel like Innova done that on purpose. Um, but obviously Haley must like the disc. Uh, I'd imagine there's a little bit of spite there. But yeah. um, I think I think in, in Haley's interview when she announced, she mentioned that she had thrown the, the Makos before. Yeah. So, I mean that's that's fine, you know. It's just like, with Kona, that was Kona's disc. I all right. Here's my opinion though. I think there's less Haley King that gets sold than Kona's, um, because of a lot of people are spiteful of Innova right now as well. Um, Yeah. So and I, I wish that, I hope that it doesn't happen like that for Haley. You know. But uh, I feel like she would have sold more if she would have chose a different disc. 
Um, yeah, maybe. And we'll kind of have to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Haley's definitely the kind of player that could have, you know, more than one tour series disc when yeah. push comes to shove. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up adding a tour series driver for her as well. And I hope um, they do. I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I, and me as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of spite mm-hmm. in that. And I think that's, that's kind of a dis- disrespectful feeling Yeah, it's in, just a good, like a... in a good way and a bad way. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's, she talked about using it, so we know she likes it. Um, it's kind of like when you when you step up to Chris Dickerson getting his tour series disc, and that ended up being the buzz. Um, you know, the buzz is a little bit different, but I mean, to kind of come in and be the new guy on the scene and get a buzz, yep, that's that's big. That is but, huge. But um, Paige was the one that had the buzz. Um, last year, and she said that this year she's going to work on her line, and that'll be her, you know, kind of like Paul right. is with his line and Paige. Supposedly, rumors are coming around that Paige is getting the next new disc. Um, yeah, but Paul Paul did an interview when Chris Dickerson did his interview at the same time. Yeah, on Smashbox. Um, shout out to Smashbox. And shout out Smashbox. Uh. uh <clears throat> not a sponsor. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but not a sponsor. Uh, but um, Paul hinted at the at the fact that he has some some new stuff coming out mm-hmm. um, this year that he couldn't talk about yet either, or that he'd hoped it would come out soon. He didn't specify. Did it you see timeline. where they dropped the signature minis from Paul? Today? Yeah, <laughs> bro, those are gonna sell so well. They oh, will. They, they will. Oh my god, they will sell so good. That that's a gold mine. That I'm. I was surprised when I saw it. I was like. I can't believe they haven't done this sooner, actually, now yeah, that I think right? about it. Wait, what? <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, you know, and oh, and you you watched that interview, too, then. So you saw that uh, um, Chris is going to be putting with the Challenger OS. The Challenger OS. The only player except Chandler Fry. Yep. Chandler Fry <laughs> is also with the Challenger OS. But, yeah, he said right now the Challenger OS is what's doing it for him. Yeah, and you know, it it was a little bit of a surprise for me personally that he went overstable, but me too. It felt feel, feels good in his hand. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. Um, it, it surprised and, me a little bit too, but that's he said that's working for him. So. Yeah, yeah, no surprise there. And then um, Andrew Marweed, he did his in the bag. Correct. Um, you can review that for us a little better than I can. So why don't you kind of touch uh, on yeah, that? Yeah. So. Andrew Marweed, uh, he is putting with the Steady BLs. Um, surprisingly, not the Ices. Um, a lot of people that use DGA, they really like the Steady BL Ice. It's the clear plastic. He is right. not using that. Um, Doesn't surprise me. Really? Um, no. I. It's the problem with those clear plastics is they're definitely very stiff. Um, so some of your higher level putters maybe mm-hmm. who who kind of tend to put a little more juice on their putts are going to stray away from those. They're not right. soft enough to, to putt that, especially from distance. So, and Marweed really excels in that 25 to 45 foot range. Yeah. Um, so but I, I understand the, yeah, a soft. I can plastic. understand it for him, but usually you see the eyes. That, that's just, right. that's the most popular. Um, I think it might be a little harder to get a hold of too, though. 
potentially. You got some stuff going on? Yeah, I caught a breeze on the back of my neck just now, and I had to look up to see if my ceiling fan was on, and it's not. So well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> welcome, ghost. It's, it's welcome, drafty ghost. in the room. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then the viewers at home get to see what's behind you. Uh, what's behind yeah. door number one? Yeah, but, you'll notice uh, my, my practice basket isn't behind me this week. Uh, it's actually sitting in my garage. Uh, yeah, the, been the weather's made it. Yeah, the weather's been kind of rough, making it in terms of getting out onto the the courses. Not that it's been too cold. I don't mind playing in the cold. You know, just grab a pack of hand warmers, and I my hands will naturally warm up after six holes, anyways, because mm -hmm. I run hot. Um, but the footing has been so bad on the courses yeah. that I'm practicing for the ice bowl that I just I played. You know, I've had two really good practice rounds um on each course and i'm kind of happy with that hopefully i'll have some good weather next week to hit each course one more time right really nailed down a couple of lines on some holes i have questions on but yeah so in lieu of that i've been practicing my putting in my yard yep. and uh sitting in my garage right now to stay out of the snow that's coming tomorrow but yeah yeah uh so i'm gonna jump back into andrew marweed's bag um he has got uh, he doesn't have very many mid-ranges, uh, surprisingly. But I guess he's using the putters, um, mainly. Um, he's throwing a squall, um, which is... The mid-ranges that he has are six speeds. Uh, I don't... Right. You know, it's it's like, it is a mid-range, but it's also kind of a fairway, slow fairway. It's what the CAX is, so, like, I understand. But uh, he yeah, said it's, it's, it's more it's of right a ceiling mid-range. It's right where you kind of get past the rounded yeah. um, beveled edges and start hitting um, the more, more pointy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which uh, which I like edge. that better uh, myself as well. But did he, uh, he did is, he have a rift a rift in his bag? He does not. Wow, that surprises me. Yeah, that's he like their, does not. their number one mid range. Yep. Uh, like I said, he's really not bagging that many mid ranges. Um, I think that'll change too as he it, probably as we move across the country and when yeah. the tour starts making its way east it i'm might. sure he'll have a couple a couple more mid-ranges in the bag but he doesn't need them out on the west coast yeah really at all uh he's got some hurricanes and then five hypercanes you know so but after that you know it, yeah. it's he's got a seems like he's got a bag that he's really been working in to have five hypercanes that yeah. are all different stabilities I feel like he's had to really be practicing. So that's a good sign. Uh, that's always fun to see, um, you know, people getting accustomed to their bag. And he was one of the earlier signings, too. So he's had he's had this time, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I bet he's putting in the work. And I'm excited yeah. to see how he does. So um, speaking of that, yep. um, he played in one of the bigger preseason tournaments that happened this last weekend. Why don't we kind of go into that real quick? Yep, the one that uh, Matty O was at um, down in Bay County, Florida. And Matty O put a smack down, uh, shooting 24 under um, with his first season as a Westside sponsor player. Yep. And his first tournament, his first win, and evidently the discs have not hurt him at all because he is still undefeated at this course. <laughs> undefeated never lost at this course in that's, bay county that's insane that is insane 
That is absolutely insane. Do you have the uh, leader list pulled up for that? I don't. I couldn't find it. I tried, tried to find it, but I could not find it. All right. Well, uh, you said what he he finished with a nine stroke lead over the second. Yeah. Place manager. Yeah, it was nine strokes. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah, <laughs> he was even... putting on a clinic down there. Um, the other tournament that came about this week was a uh, little pro am, um, a tier for the pro side at the Shelly Sharp Memorial down in Vista, uh, at in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, that one, Anthony Barella took home the win. Maybe he only won, only won by a single stroke. Um, but Anthony Barella is, you know, one of those guys, we know he has all the talent in the world and he just needs to bring out, put it all together on every, on mm -hmm. every weekend. And, uh, he struggled a little bit, especially in the second round. Um, but he shot a pretty hot third round compared to the field with the exception of two players who were pretty deep out of the running. Um, that tournament ended up going uh, one through five was Anthony Barella. Kayla Visca came in second after shooting a 47 on the final day, which is ridiculous at Vista. Drew Gibson came in third. Nick Newton came in fourth, and he shot a really hot final round as well. Jordan Castro came in fifth. Um, felt really bad for Jordan Castro. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so it was his birthday weekend. He came out, he shot bogey free all the way until the 18th hole on the final day. He that took an OB. He took an OB and he couldn't make the putt um, to save par. I felt so bad for him. I mean, he was six strokes off to lead, but how good would it have felt to go out there for your first tournament yeah, after re-signing? and shoot bogey for you <laughs> on his birthday weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the hottest rounds, I mean, um, Jacob Curtis, who, you know, he's a little bit lower rated. We might see him out on the tour a little bit this year, but he shot a 1090 rated 46 on the final day. Yeah, that's um, really good. 1090? Unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he took a par, an even round on day two, which only rated nine 975. Um, if he repeats his day one performance of 53 or even, you know, maybe a 55 on round two, he actually wins the tournament. Yeah. So just putting you it know, together. One, one round can define your tournament. Unfortunately, it was the bad round that yeah. kind of overshadowed that spectacular round he threw yeah. in round three. Oh, um, that and was speaking, the highest, highest speaking about, uh, tournaments, uh, I'm going to go back to Matty O's and say, uh, Give shout out to that because he shot a 1077 rated first round and averaged 1042 throughout all three rounds. So yeah, some high quality disc golf going on uh, this yeah. past weekend. So big, big stuff. And speaking of weekends, you know what's coming up? The All Star Weekend. The All Star Weekend. Why don't you go ahead and dive into a little bit of the. Uh, Twitter tweet tweet drama that's been going right. on. So there's a little bit of Twitter drama. Um, there's a couple of Twitter drama feeds that we'll kind of touch on today. But first, we'll start with the All-Stars. Um, they started announcing the lead cards for both MPO and FPO. And, well, some people kind of took offense to the MPO announcement. Um, 
I'm going to pull that up real quick, actually. Uh, I should still have it right here. Your lead card for the All-Stars this year is Ricky Wysocki, Eagle McMahon, Calvin Heimberg, and Paul McBeth. Um, and they announced it. The tweet literally says, no surprises here. The top four players on tour in 2021 make up your All-Star lead card. And then they tweeted a picture of all four of those players. Mm-hmm. Paul immediately responded right back to them and said, I already informed I'm not going. I kid you not, verbatim, that is exactly what he said. <laughs> I like. He's like, I've already told you guys I'm not going to be there. Like, I, what else <laughs> do I got to tell you? And uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour replied. <laughs> they kind of had to reel back a little bit. They said, this announcement is just a celebration of the qualified All-Stars. Um, participants may vary, um, and the final list will will be announced soon. Um, right. So here's the thing: the other the other one that we heard about this one, he didn't reply directly to the Pro Tour. Actually, he tweeted it a little bit before Pro Tour announced their lead card. But Ricky Wysocki also said he is not likely to make the tournament. He expects to be practicing um, and making sure that he's really comfortable with his bag and ready for Vegas. Um, now, here's the thing. All-Star weekends can be one of the funnest things in any sport. Um, we see a couple of sports do it really, really well, and a couple of sports do it very poorly. Right. Um, and we'll start with MLB. Um, MLB has one of the best All-Star weekends in all of big sports. And it's that way for a reason. Um, number one, they keep things fresh. They keep things interesting. The home run derby is one of the most watched ESPN baseball events of the entire year. Yeah. Most people don't watch baseball. Other yeah. than that. <laughs> I'm, no, kidding. People, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People, people love I'm to watch kidding. the home, the home run derby and the world series. And that's what, that's their baseball for the year. Yep, that's what that's, they watch. Yeah. <laughs> I like what well, I enjoy watching the home run derby and I enjoy following the playoffs you know, and that's about it, you know, uh, it's, yeah. but I'm kind of like that with like college basketball too, you know, it's like yeah. March Madness, all right, I'm in, let me do a bracket, but yeah. other than that. <laughs> and the other one that does a really great job of making it a desirable event for the fans and for the players, because this is where we're going to kind of hit here in a second is the player side, um, is the NBA. Three-point shootout, dunk mm-hmm. contest, both of those, so much fun to watch. The actual All-Star game itself sucks. Eh, uh, there's whatever. no defense, you know, you but know, it's, it's style. It's fun It's, it's fun, fun to watch yeah. because of what you see. You're going to see yeah. people go out there and make plays that they would never in their life do in a real game. Right. But it's, it's fun to watch, and the most important thing for me that both of those um, uh, leagues do is they make it a desirable event for players to attend. Yes. And this is where I'm going to go into the biggest league that has a failure on their all-star side, and that's the NFL. Um, when we talk about the Pro Bowl, yeah, the Pro Bowl is not desirable. Um, most players, you know, this outside of quarterbacks and maybe some wide receivers, every now and again a good running back, players avoid the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, the event isn't super hyped up. And I think one of the big things that you see, number one, is that the skills competitions that you see mm-hmm. in in baseball to watch the home run derby, 
super fun to watch. Um, in terms of the actual game itself, it's much more competitive than you see normal games run. It's a little bit flashy. You're going to see a lot more swinging for the fences in a real game right. than you normally would. You're going to see pitchers, because they only throw one or two innings at a time, they're going to, instead of throwing 95, they're going to be topping out and throwing 100. Yeah. Because they don't have to pitch 80 or 90 pitches. They only have to pitch 20 pitches. Exactly. So you get a little bit of excitement, but it's competitive still in, in that game. The NBA is a little bit different, not quite as competitive, but you still get that really fun, flashy stuff to watch. Yeah. Um, and those do a great job of getting the players there and excited about the event. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they do it mid-season. Because when you talk about an all-star event like this one, where it's at the very beginning of the season, players are either trying to get a last weekend or two weekends at home and enjoy their home before they go on a national tour that takes them away from their home for seven months at a time. Um, And if they're not doing that, then they're down in a wintering area like Florida or Arizona, which, you know, we know that Arizona holds the all-stars. But they're out practicing and getting ready for the season and preparing. And it's not the best time, in my opinion, to do an all-star event. And the same thing with the NFL. When they do it at the very end of the season, they switched it. First, they did it after the Super Bowl. Um, People didn't care. The Super Bowl was over. Fans didn't watch. Although player interaction was a little bit better then. Because, number one, all the players that play in the Super Bowl cannot participate the week before the Super Bowl. Exactly. Obviously. And then, you know, number two. That, you know, all these players who have been nursing minor injuries throughout the entire season are just like, I'm just going to rest. Yeah, I need need time to heal my body. Right. Right? And, you know, football. I I do watch the Pro Bowl. I do like it. But I'm more of a football fan than anything else other than disc golf. Um, You know. Right. So, the Pro Bowl is cool. Uh it was actually really entertaining when they did the draft style um, and yeah. had players that are on the same team going against each other, but that got yeah. shot down the very next year because uh, there was two Bengals players that absolutely lit each other up and got in trouble, <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah. But yeah, I, so that's my thoughts on it, um, and what I'm going to ask you is, what do you think that disc golf needs to do to make the all-star event desirable um for the players i think uh well i think it's desirable for the fans either way uh any way you look at it disc golf uh community disc golf fans they love watching disc golf you know Uh, so i don't think that they would have to do too much to get uh, fan involvement. But the more players and the more high-ranked players uh, that are in it, the better viewership you're going to get. That's just the way it is. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, no, you know, nobody wants to nobody Everybody wants, wants to, go to see their and... favorites. You know, uh, the fan exactly. favorites, the, the top-rated players... Everybody wants to see them compete and do these things, and I think that uh, uh, I think that the main thing to uh, to get those players in is 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 money. <laughs> I mean, money brings in the players. 
So if you yeah. up the purse for the challenges, for the skill levels, um, yeah. you know, I bring in the money, which I think an all-star event sponsors cling to those pretty well. So yeah. I think they just got to put themselves out there, get those sponsors in, and I think they'll do a great job in the next two to three years uh, getting more money, more sponsorship level stuff, and, you know, like, potentially do something cool with, like, maybe, a, you know, like, a tour card paid for and do, you know, do different emphasized prizes and stuff like that. Right. And and I think you'd get those players back. Um, Chat's out here asking chat. where we're yep. from. So, um, you can go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, well, I'll go <laughs> ahead then. But uh, I'm located in Middle Tennessee um, in the Lebanon area. And I'll let you go ahead. Uh, on. I, I'm located uh, just north of Knoxville. So yep. gives gives ourselves a little bit of like an east-west dynamic here. Yeah, um, oh, middle, so. east. <laughs> yeah, east no, I, I don't get on the west side too much, but uh, I try to keep <laughs> up with it as much as I can. How about yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah, where, where, where are you about? Um, yeah, I, I'd have to say... You know, I think the skills challenges need to be focused on, especially because um, even in when you talk about like the NBA All-Star game, I would say the dunk contest has the better viewership when you talk about it. People mm -hmm. are going to watch the dunk contest. People are going to watch a three-point contest um, over the actual game. And I can honestly say that that's true because that, that's what I do. A lot of times I'll turn oh, on. Yeah turn on the all-star game but the all-star game kind of just sits forgotten on my tv after about an hour or so yep i um, agree whereas the dunk contest i'm watching till the end i i yeah. gotta know who wins i'm intrigued what, i'm interested what did they do that was yeah, yeah. you know i so, love that could you imagine though like you know the skills contests you know because you could do there's so many options that you could do with disc golf you know you, you know like a um, big um ace race challenge with a big yeah. purse you know, um distance competitions with a big purse mm -hmm. you know get and, those and there's, high there's... quality players out there you know and and really show off what they can do you know right and have it money wise to where you don't that the players are not worried about injuring themselves right for, for a low payout you know that, right. that that's what it all comes down to. Uh, they're they're like, is it worth my time and worth my efforts? You know, so exactly. Um, and I think you know, so, you know, they do a little bit of it. You know, like the best shot, worst shot doubles that they kind of did a couple years ago, um, and and stuff like that. But I would mm -hmm. I'd really like to see like th this is the time to use those underutilized formats because it's not a sanctioned event. Right. So you don't need it's to open. worry about that sort of stuff. So this is the kind of event where I'd love to see stuff like match play, you know, mm -hmm. even if you did like, like six whole spurts of match play um, and then did a bracketing and everybody plays 20 holes by the end to get a champion, you something could, like that. You know, that. you could totally do a speed round. Like, think about that. Like, that yeah. would be so cool to see is like, who can complete the hole the fastest? 
you know so yeah, you're exactly. you know it's a skills competition you got to throw you got to run you got to get up there you got to get set you got to putt you got to throw up what what you know whatever not like throw up throw up yeah. but you know what i mean like up, <laughs> up, sorry. you got an upshot <laughs> not up tuck there's a difference <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, like, yeah it, it's, I, it's a great format to like you know one of the one of my favorite things to watch when worlds comes around is the um the mixed doubles yeah i See, I, I don't even care. I would love to see mixed doubles on the All-Star because that really, it kind of it kind of like puts the spotlight on those FPO players when they're kind of right. outdoing the, the MPO uh, counterpart on, on these certain shots. And it, it's, it gives them a chance to kind of shine like, wow. You know, for the people that don't right. really watch the FPO, they're like, who is this chick that's doing this? You know, and I, I really enjoy watching Absolutely. that. You know, we yeah. we do pretty good with keeping up on both because we're we're honestly interested in both. But yeah. um, I I just enjoy seeing the different styles put together. You know, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, and yeah, and, and you know, I think one of the things that I would like to see out of the All Star Weekend is move it to the middle of the year yeah. a little bit. Um, get it to an event up in the north um during the summer because the one of the nice things about when you see the all-star weekend in um baseball and basketball is it's a break yeah you know for them and it allows them you know if you keep this all-star event within the tour lines and making sure that they're not going out of their way to travel to this um it's a great way for them to get in do something fun for a few days while they're still throwing imagine the all-star event being at eagle's nest yeah. Uh why well, you, you know, because everybody wants to play that course. So yeah. that yeah. might bring in players too, is if you do desirable places. Yeah, and you know, that's that's just one of those things is, you know, um I, I think disc golf almost treats the all star weekend too much like uh baseball spring training. Yeah. Where it's it's just kinda like, yeah, you get out there, you watch them, they have a little bit of fun and we all go home and yeah. we wait for Vegas. Yeah, you know, um, but I I think moving it to the middle of the season and also bringing in a, a more of a fan vote system into how that kind of plays out, um, you know, because it's also something that's really fun for players who do mid season um, all stars votings right. is that your performance up to the mid season is where you're really going to garner your votes. Yep, you know. Yep, and I that, agree. that is also a propellant for you to know that you're playing well and you're being seen and people are noticing that you're playing well. Yep. That would be great. I I agree with so, that. Just uh interesting stuff to to think about. Yeah. For sure. Uh and I think that pretty much covers everything that we had for this week. Is there anything you else you want to talk about? Add? The other Twitter drama? Uh you can if you would like. Have you? Did you see too mm. much of it at all Mm-mm. with the Austin Austin Hannum, who's always yeah, he's in always the in the Twitter, Twitter drama. drama. It's it's super funny to me because he came out his first like first of the year. He's like, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna you know stay away from the hot takes and I'm not gonna you know say anything yeah. ridiculous. And here we are a few weeks later, and he's already deleting tweets and and stuff like that. Oh Lord, what did um, he say? I didn't see it. So the biggest Twitter drama going around right now outside of All-Stars, obviously, is uh, the FPO player availability pools 
for these tournaments. Um, I can't remember which tournament it was, but they were talking about there being only 14 FPO spots for the tournament, which is ridiculous. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, But the I can't remember who did it, but they went so far as to start an actual petition after saying we just want to raise awareness for this. They went so far to start a petition and actually start garnering signatures against the the PDGA, right? Um, and saying we uh, we deserve more spots. We deserve more spots, and you're not Probably wrong. So yeah. 100% you are correct, but I don't think that the way that they went about that was super great. Right. But then there's also the players on the other side of the field where, like, um, basically what was getting Austin and him into a little bit of trouble was he was saying stuff like, you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you, um, you, you know, and, and saying stuff like, you should be happy for what we're getting, and yes, maybe we need some more, but don't, you know we shouldn't be doing this like petition stuff and, and yada 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 and almost everything that he's posted about it has been deleted up to this point right no surprise there prodigy um, prodigy's got their handful with him <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> hot take master yeah. on the twitter field but um, i mean was... you know when your play doesn't shine out i guess you have to take the social media to, to <laughs> stay relevant <laughs> You have to do something. I said something I thought that was really funny was uh Is Brody it he Cat's boyfriend? Uh, I don't know. I try I don't keep up I, with love lives too much. <laughs> I think that's Katrina Allen's boyfriend, I'm pretty sure. Oh, we'd have to look it up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll be I, an maybe interesting wrong, topic for next week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that like for a long time. Like I'm I'm pretty positive. Yeah. I just you know, um but yeah, that's that was something interesting. Obviously, FPO needs to be recognized a little bit better across yeah. the sport. Um, I think in but, the coming two years, it will be a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think I think the part that we're kind of missing when we start doing stuff like signing petitions to get that stuff is you move you lose the camaraderie of the sport and you yeah. start working against each other to fight for what you want as opposed to getting your heads together and having the important conversations um right you know, conversations can only get you so far and i understand that but i mean this literally went from twitter complaining about it one day to the next day there being a petition right. and that tells me that they didn't take the time to have this conversation it wasn't like we've talked to them about it we've really asked for it we asked them to modify this tournament um we we wanted the the TD and the people to open up more spots and blah 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 right. blah blah. It really just went. Um, we need more spots for FPO to petition instantly. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to remember that while that is correct, we 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 want to do this in in a good way, um, and not in a negative way. Right. You know, as much as we can. Yeah. You anytime know, I, you I, can do it, you know, um, it's with it's going to fail sometimes. It, it's it's good, but um, I know that they've been having issues since the past. I mean, in the past two three years, of yeah. PDGA not really making a big deal about it and just kind of brushing it under the rug. So yeah, you know maybe they're just like, well, we can't talk to them because they obviously don't care, and then blah blah blah, and they you know they just over overwent and you know. Hopefully some good comes out of it, and 
everything gets solved and that's the last we hear of it and there starts being more FBO spots and yeah you know and and maybe it was a good thing uh only time will tell yeah but speaking I, I of do Katrina agree. Allen I speaking bro, of Katrina Allen when is she going to say when like when? Li- listen listen we are now um 5 weeks essentially from from Las Vegas as it were and no announcement yet meaning i I don't know i I, this makes me just continue to believe that she's going towards a mixed bag because if she's signed if she's signed somewhere right now and she's throwing one brand um she has to be practicing there's no way she's not practicing right now unless she's gonna take a break and take the early part of the season off which is possible but i don't see it happening right and that that to me tells me like it Maybe she's not hiding anything because she's throwing a mixed bag. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's possible. I don't. I don't know. Maybe she's just going to run off winnings. Right. Yeah. I don't. Maybe it's possible. I, I mean, I Madison know. Walker did. You know. Yeah. So. Um, ooh, it is possible. I don't know. I. You know. However, I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be really suspicious if there isn't an announcement by next week. I yeah. Think. I, it's gonna. Yeah. If if February first comes around and but there's not an there, announcement, there's been a lot of things come out where she goes to Vegas wearing a jacket and then she pulls it off when they announce her own lead card and reveals her. Um, <laughs> reveals yeah, but, her. Okay. Uh, but here's sponsor. here's the here's the thing. That would be disc golf. Twitter has been so active with their speculation this year. Do you think that's even possible? Yes. I think it because, is possible because she's because, not on social media. You, yeah, but that that doesn't matter. That all it means is that you know somebody watched her out practicing and noticed what she was doing. If she has been, Chris was basically pegged for Discraft the day he he announced his departure. They yeah. they literally said, "I saw him throwing Discraft." I don't. Yeah, we don't need to say anything else. We saw it. Yeah. It happened. You know, and for the most part, we've had a few of those come out this year where people, you know, Ricky basically came out and said, I haven't been able to get out and throw because. Yeah. And technically, the dynamic disc store is the one that leaked it. You know what I mean? Like when they they showed those fusion orbit halo (laughs) felons, you know. And right, but, like, but when when they but is this fan when they leaked it, it was yeah when they leaked it it was also one day before the announcement that right. actually took place not a couple of weeks before yeah um, where we saw you know like with Chris Dickerson well that was um, still within a week and you know of his uh, sign Eric Eric Oakley kind of well yes but it was also well, within Eric a day Oakley's of his disc was on Infinite before he actually announced. But but people um, had made the correlation that hey he's in town and he's with he's basically near Infinite yeah and people people reported that so how easily can you but nobody if, if she goes said anything about Cat yeah so if she's if she's practicing um and she's a, a single brand she's signed with a single brand that I don't think that can be covered up for much longer. I don't think she. I don't think she can make it all the way to Vegas. I do. And I not do. There's be, so many private courses that that you know, if she like, for instance, Kale Lavisca course, right? If right. she wanted to go out there a day, he shut it down, and you know, 
it, it is possible. I, and it, if that did happen, that would that would be so hyped up. You know, you understand what kind of hype yeah. there would be. I just for I the just FPL's card, that would be which I could see Pro Tour doing for live. You know what I mean? Like, right? It it, it would be like huge. Do I see it I happening? No. Would it be cool? Yes. Yeah, I just don't see it happening because, like, even with Kona, there were rumors that she had been seen throwing dynamic already. Yeah, you know, um, there wasn't rumors of Ricky, but he wasn't throwing. Yeah, he he fully admitted I haven't had a chance to get out. Yeah, he's like I just because you know paparazzi. Um, Andrew Marweed was a pretty, pretty hushed up thing, which it happened really quick. You know, it was like a two week span of, hey, I'm leaving Innova. And then within the next week and a half, he was signed with DGA as the face of DGA. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, so I just, I don't see her getting all the way to Las Vegas being fully prepared for Vegas and not having anybody in the world know. Yeah. I just don't see it. Yeah, that would be incredible would, if she it, made it, it would like that. It, it would yeah. be. It would be spectacular. It would be. It would be. But I agree. I don't see it happening either. Um. Nico is is starting to pop up a little bit more in the conversations as well because uh, yeah, he's what? been posting a lot on Instagram and people are trying to like enhance the the enhance videos the and see what and he's growing and yeah. yeah I mean in my opinion I think he'll be throwing Innova um a cat is with Innova a uh, cat merch which is his girlfriend um I just think that they'll probably tour together in an infinite in a in of a van and yeah and call it a day. That's my take. I think they'll probably land him uh, at Innova, which that definitely does not replace Ricky. Uh, but no, but he no. you know he, he would have to he would have to make moves this season to be competitive enough to doesn't didn't. Did Nico win USDGC? USDGC? No, Paul did. No, not this year. I'm talking about has he won one? Nico's won something. Um, something big. I don't remember what he's won, but I'm wondering if it's a major because if it is a major, then he could be on a destroyer. Uh, I'm pretty sure he has won a major. I, I'm thinking he Take has as well. Quick. Let's see, NT, 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 NT. But supposedly, Evelina's the one that's going to get the destroyer. Yeah, that's that's possible. Uh, She's 2018 European Open winner, I believe. At least that's been rumored that Evelina destroyers were a thing. He won a division of the 2010 Japan Open. Which is a master or a major, technically. Huh. Um, and he won USDGC in two thousand nine. Okay, I thought he had won USDGC. Yeah, I couldn't. Re- I I thought he had won one of them. I wasn't sure if it was Worlds or yeah. USDGC. I knew he hadn't won Worlds, but I I I was thinking that he had won USDGC. But yeah, yeah so that was, that was way back. But yeah, that's still it's still, still would a give major. him a. So yeah, so what they I. 
I was kind of listening in. So what they, they call them is signature discs. Um, you have mm-hmm. the tour series, and then when you've won a major, that's when you start getting into the signature discs, like the right. Sex Caliber and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, technically, yeah, he could have a signature disc. Um, for any of you guys who don't know what a signature disc is, that's basically when Innova has a major champion um, and they actually put it on their base stamp and right. run that as their primary mold. Yeah. Um, so, like, Ricky was a signature series for the Destroyer, Destroyer the Star Destroyer specifically. Yeah. Um, Nate Sexton was the Excalibur. Um, and Germ, he won 2016 USDGC, but he does not have a signature series disc, does he? Uh, his tour series is the Thunderbird. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I would. I would have to look. Yeah. Um, the only problem. The only problem with Jerem is he has an asterisk next to his name on that one. Yeah, is, it is. But it's still a win. It, it still is yeah. a win. You know, and he was. It's not like it was with the whole rain delay at uh, Ledstone, where Kyle Pine was actually leading when they canceled it. Right. Um, he was leading by two strokes, you know, on and that they day. Canceled, and they canceled and they the can, next round. They canceled the final, the final Before anybody even played, you know. Yeah. It got canceled that night before, so. Yeah, because they, but, and they were fully aware when they went into that tournament as well that there was a chance. There is a possibility. They would not play yeah. that final round because of Tropical Storm, whatever. Yeah. It was, but. Yeah, yeah. So technically, Nico would be eligible for a for a signature disc based on what we know. But, but that technically means that Germ would be too. I, I just yeah, don't. And, but I, again, I don't, I don't see him on a Thunderbird on and a Destroyer. I I don't think he has a signature series disc though, unless it would be like. I, I mean, I I could see him on the AVR X three because he's a huge, um, thrower of the AVR X three. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Okay, he has a signature series um Millennium disc. Oh. The the mortar. I forgot about the mortar. I don't even ever hear him throwing that. He hasn't thrown it in a long time, I don't think. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, because that's a it's a mid range. Yeah. I know that he has his, his tour series Thunderbirds, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I, I guess know. so. That's Remember. that's his sig. That's technically a signature series disc, though. Is the mortar okay? Yeah. That is. I di- I didn't know that. Or did not. But yep. well, now we know. I think that's all we got for you uh, this well, week, guys. It sure is, and I we really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, hopefully, we will have this stuff up on uh, your listening broadcasts. <laughs> Uh, softwares, you know, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple, uh, hopefully very soon. Um, as soon as we get yep. it all figured out, we will get it up. Um, these will be going on YouTube as well. Um, make sure to follow us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We got it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we will, uh, this, this weekend, um, come Saturday morning, we will post the, 
um, the PDGA live score tracker for the tournament. So yep. if you guys want to follow along and see how we're playing, that will be available for you guys. Yep, it sure will be. And, you know, uh, hopefully we can get some more content out for you guys uh, with Mr. Bacon coming down um, yeah. uh, this Ho weekend. Hoping we can do just a little, at the very least, a good practice round video for you guys. Yeah. Maybe split it up into a couple of videos. Yep. Show you guys what we what we do on Friday, prepping for the tournament. Yep. And then start doing some challenges. That will be great. I can't wait for that. But uh, with that being said, we appreciate you guys. We really do, uh, guys and girls. And y'all have a wonderful night and a great day tomorrow. Whenever you may listen to this, have a great day every day. And we will see All you right. guys later. <laughs> and y'all have a good one. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.